For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word and thrive in Christian living. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. Welcome back to the Coffee and Bible Time podcast. I am Mentor Mama, and today I hope you are up for a laugh while we learn how to navigate the ups and downs of life through the lens of humor. You know, in our daily lives, it's easy to feel stuck facing challenges that seem mundane or overwhelming, and some days it may be difficult to find meaning in everyday challenges that we face. Well, our guest today, Cynthia Yanoff, author of the newly released book, Life is Messy, God is Good, Sanity for the Chaos of Everyday Life, invites us to reframe our challenges to see God's bigger plan at work in the big and small, the funny and the ridiculous. So when we let go of societal expectations, we actually become free to embrace who God created us to be. And without having this perspective, we risk missing out on the laughter, the joy, and the deeper meaning of life. Cynthia reminds us that God's greater mission brings significance to even the messiest aspects of our lives. When we surrender our struggles to Jesus, every day becomes an opportunity for meaning and transformation. Cynthia is a wife, mother, podcaster, blogger, and everyday girl who is ridiculously committed to not taking herself too seriously. She currently hosts the popular Mesmerized podcast. Many Christians are familiar with her work for ChristianParenting.org, as well as her time as the creator and host of the ministry's Pardon the Mess podcast. Cynthia worked as an attorney before pursuing a career encouraging and equipping women in their God-given callings. She loves speaking, writing, foster care, and hanging out in Dallas with her husband, Mike, and three kids. Please welcome Cynthia. Hello, hello, Ellen. Thanks for having oh me. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to talk to you. You know, as I was reading through your book, I was so refreshed by your writing style that incorporates humor that literally made me laugh out loud. <laughs> Yet, oh, good, you know, good. At the same time, you are asking readers to sort of dig deep and tackle their life's struggles. So, why are you so passionate about seeing life through the lens of humor? I think probably because if we don't laugh, we have to cry, right? The <laughs> adage is true. Like there's just so much in life that's hard that goes off script. And especially if you are parenting and I know with my kids, like it was supposed to look a certain way. I was like the perfect parent till I had kids. And then I'm like, oh, well, here it goes. Right. And so my mom, my mom told me um, when my kids were little, I remember her saying, if you're going to laugh about it in a year, find a way to laugh about it today. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do I still discipline my kids and do the things we need to do? Yes. We're adults. But if we're going to laugh about it later, why not find a way to laugh about it now? And that was my hope. And, uh, and, and the book life is messy. God is good. I want, I want us to laugh. I want us to know that like God is in the humor of it. He's in it when it gets off script. Sometimes it's hard. And even in the heart, if we can find a way to kind of just pursue 
the laughter and the silly and the fun. It just makes life so much more enjoyable. So yeah, I, I, I tend to always, I tend to always try to err on the side of let's just, let's just laugh about it now if we can. At some uh, point. Was your mom funny too? Yeah. My parents, you know, my parents are, are both funny. My dad's, I'm closer to my dad. I'm closer in terms of personality to my dad okay. and he's super funny, but yes, my parents just didn't take themselves seriously. And I think that's something that was passed down and hopefully we're passing down to our kids. Like we can laugh at ourselves. Like we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. And, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that, that, that they were able to hand that along with a lot of other things down to yeah, us. Absolutely. You know, and we are made in God's image. So I, I love, in fact, um, you know, recognizing that God has a sense of humor and I, in watching the chosen, yeah. I know it's been kind of fun to see that Jesus was a real person and could laugh too. Absolutely. And, uh, well, um, in your book, you suggest that God is in the middle of all of the messy places in our lives. So, um, that could be any number of things. How can we yeah. be sure that those messes matter? Yeah, I think I think we figure out pretty quickly in life that the messes have to matter because most of what we're walking has gotten messy. <laughs> like, I think at some point we realize when we wake up, we're like, gosh, man, like, nothing is really going how I thought it was going to go. And so if, if, if what I believe and what I've been taught, you know, if you were fortunate to grow up in church, or even if not, but the things I believe about faith, if they are true, then it's got to apply all the time, not to just when my life is cleaned up, it's working the way it's supposed to. And so sometimes I like to say, if, if our theology doesn't line up with our reality, then it's really not any theology at all. It's just kind of some good advice. But what we want is a theology, a faith that lines up with the reality of every day. And that's messy and hard and all those things. And so where does God show up? My hope is that we realize like God will show up and where is it and how does it look when we have a kid that we're trying to teach how to drive when they're 16 or when we've got a kid with a learning difference or our kids are making bad choices. Our marriage gets hard. The job is a dead end. Like, where is God in that? And, and, and if we can figure that out, if we start really pursuing him and searching for him in those moments, man, is our faith redefined. And so that's why I like to lean into it. I, uh, my whole, my whole nature is to shut out the messy, to make it look better, to dust it under the rug. But that's, that just doesn't work. That's not, that's not real life. That's not living. And so, yeah, let's lean into the mess and figure it out and, and help our faith line up with mm -hmm. it. You know, one of the things that you said sort of related to this topic, just that in whatever our in place of influence is, right, whether it's your home or, or work or <laughs> you said the PTA board, whatever it could be, that that's where God has called us to can you just expand on that just a little bit more? Sure, sure. You know, I, I started thinking about from the beginning of time, like from Adam and Eve until the second coming, new heaven, new earth, and all of that point in time, anywhere in that, the Lord could have plopped us on earth, mm -hmm. right? He could have picked any time. And so you have to stop and think a minute. Like it isn't by chance that you are here right now at this time in the community you're in, with the family you're in, with the people around you, the church, the work environment, like that is very intentional. And so if that's the case, we've got to believe that God has a plan for us. And so that's my hope is that we really take a step back sometimes and, and think about that and say, okay, it's easy to get caught up and, and see what other people are doing, or they have bigger influences or, um, you know, in, in today's culture, yes. I mean, to do something significant, oftentimes we think means you have to have a platform. 
I mean, Jesus had 12, you guys. And so if Jesus had 12 people that were going and doing ministry with him, then let's find our highest place of influence, wherever that is. For some of us, that may be millions listening on a podcast or whatever's going on. For most of us, it is not that. It is the PTA board or at our office or really important in Mm -hmm. our home. And so let's do it well in that place. Let's acknowledge it. This is our time. This is where the God is, our God has intentionally put us. And let's live that to the highest mark that we know how to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I highlighted one of your quotes um, that kind of summed up this. I thought it was so great um, when we're talking about, you know, why is it important to to be an influence wherever God has placed us? And you said, because nothing we strive to accomplish is significant if it's not from God. Nothing we strive to accomplish will bear success without God's hand. And nothing we strive to excel in will last beyond us if God has not anointed it in our lives. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just it. I don't know about you when I think about anointing. I mean, I think of, you know, biblically speaking, Old Testament, you know, David Mm -hmm. or different times when when God would have an anointing, a specific something he put over someone's life. This is what I have for you that I need you to do. And I'm like, gosh, wouldn't that be nice today if like I knew exactly what I was anointed to do. Someone was going to come over and say, hey, you are anointed to X, Y, and Z. Well, it doesn't always look that way. But uh, I kind of tell the story in the book and I thought I'd share with y'all. I have a friend that was diagnosed a couple years ago with a brain tumor and I went to her house and um, to spend the some time with them before the big surgery the next day. And her church had called and said, can we come over and anoint you with oil? Now that's different than the anointing we were talking about, but it's new Testament anointing with oil. Someone's sick. Um, and she was like, oh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Something I'm like, I don't know, girl, but you've got a brain tumor. So why are we going to turn down anointing with oil? Like let's yeah. go with it. <laughs> and so her, her church friends came over and, um, they did, they anointed her with oil and, and, and afterwards, you know how it is with oil. I was thinking like, it'd be just like a couple of drops on her head and a few people praying, but I mean, like half of her church showed up, it was packed and they had all this oil and they had put it in her hairline and they had prayed over it. It was really sweet. And she went to go take a shower and you know, with oil, like when you get cooking oil on your hands, it leaves that residue. It's hard to get Mm -hmm. off. Right. Well, that happened with her. She had taken a shower and the oil drained from her her head down to her feet, like on the shower pan. So later that night, she's walking around the house and, and on her hardwood floors, I could see her footprints from the oil. And it hit me later that like, that's what anointing is. You guys, like if we're doing the things God's called us to do, if we're leaning into the things that he has specifically planned for us, we're going to leave footprints wherever we've gone. That's what anointing looks like. Because when we've been in a situation, we've been the places we're supposed to be It looks different when we're gone because the Lord's worked through us. We have been anointed to do those things and people are different. Circumstances are changed. People are healed. And I don't mean uh, in a healing way, like we're doing miracles, maybe, but we are healing hearts and and ministry is being created in the most ordinary of moments because we are fulfilling the thing the Lord had Mm -hmm. for us. So I like to think about that example. I just want there to be footprints where I've been. People know I've been there. That was an amazing example. I love that because you can really visualize those little oil prints and then thinking about yourself, like where has God placed you? Gosh, you know what? I want to leave a a footprint of what God's called me to do too. I love that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you talk about is um, sometimes we're put in a position where we are encouraged to chase after these big God-sized callings in our lives. And and one of the ones for you, uh, correct, was uh, foster care. Tell us about... 
Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. How you were obedient in that and just how that changed your family. Yeah, absolutely. And as I tell you that, I just want to encourage everyone. Some of you listening are probably called into foster care and that's great. I hope that you're pursuing that. Um, some of you will not be. And and I think whatever your calling is, this probably applies to it, whatever the Lord's speaking into your life. And, and we all have those things. Um, it's it's not a hidden thing. Like the Lord made it very clear for our family when when he when it became foster care. It wasn't, you know, lightning didn't strike, but every single person we talked to mentioned foster care. Every servant I heard was foster care. Every mailer that came in <laughs> mentioned foster care. I'm like, okay, we get it, God. But it was one of those things that just the Lord laid on my heart and my husband's and we were both like, oh, foster care? Like, hmm, I think that's for more spiritual people than us. Like, we were not the people that were like, absolutely. But we knew that that's what the Lord wanted us to do. And so finally, begrudgingly, with a very reluctant yes, we're like, all right. And so we got involved in foster care and by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my mm-hmm. life. Also by far the most incredible opportunity the Lord's ever given us. And so to fast forward through the whole thing, I just, uh, I always say my testimony coming out of it is this. I went into foster care scared. I mean, I really was scared of what it would do to our bio kids, what it would do to our finances, our spiritual life, our everything. I mean, I went into it scared and I came out of it scared of who we would be if we had not done Mm. it because we're changed people. I mean, the Lord changes your heart. He changes your lens when you're sitting in foster care offices with kids sitting around you with everything they own in a trash bag. When you're taking your kids to parts of town that you've been trying to shield them from their whole life, but you're now there in the middle of that. When your family sits and prays over a crib night after night of a sleeping baby that the Lord will just salvage and do something mighty through his life, you can't help but be changed through that. And and that's my challenge is yes, it was foster care for my family, but I want for all of us to have these experiences where God's like, yeah, lean in. It's hard. It hardest thing I've ever done. But in that, not only do you get the opportunity to be his hands and feet, but you get the opportunity to know him on the other side of it, even better Mm -hmm. in ways I've never seen him before. And so we ended up getting to adopt our little one. In fact, crazy enough, Ellen, this never happens. The very first child that was placed in our home was an infant, which we'd asked for older kids, which is um, hilarious that we got an infant, which is also hilarious that fast forward, we've adopted him and I'm 50 with a seven-year-old. So everybody take a moment there, do a little math. Hello. <laughs> and so we, we uh, you know, God's plans are not always our own, usually not our own and definitely not in our time frame. but I'm just so thankful that he can take a reluctant yes to whatever it is that he's asking you to do, even just that little tiny step of faith, 
and he makes a difference. He changes lives. And people often say like, oh, your little one, man, boy, did, did he get lucky? I'm like, no, he didn't get lucky. Like we are the lucky ones, right? Mm-hmm. We have the lucky ones because we got a little boy, but we got God more and more of God. And so that's my encouragement to y'all lean into those hard places. Uh, yeah, definitely. I know I had my last one at 35 and I thought I was an old, old mom. But then when I read what you said, <laughs> Oh man, I know. Mom. I really had to laugh because I'm like, okay, yeah, that. I'm sure that was a challenge because they always say they, literally they mother's young for a reason, right? Right. I always say I'm the oldest mom on the playground, and and it works to you know my poor our poor first kids. Everyone, can we have a moment of silence for our first kids that we've overparented <laughs> and we've done you know everything had to look a certain way, and now I need like a moment of silence for my third kid because I'm like gosh, like I want to be a better mom. I want to want, I want to be the room mom, but I'm not going to do it. And, and I barely go to the birthday parties. I mean, I go to his birthday parties, but all the other friends, I'm always like sending my husband, can you go? I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm getting a little old for some of this. So yeah, it's an adventure for sure. Being the oldest Mm -hmm. mom. (laughs) Well, when life gets messy, we need friends and you have your group called the Wednesday lunchers, right? Um, I know I have a group, um, I guess we're not quite so humble. We call ourselves the fab five. Um, I love it. I love it. I'd love to hear, you know, your perspective on the value that friends bring, um, what types of characteristics, um, should we be looking for? Yeah. No, I think the, I think that in, in theory, we all want and and crave strong friendships. But in reality, there's so many obstacles to getting there. Time being the biggest, you know, just a commitment to keeping our friendships strong, to building new friendships. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard when you have jobs and kids and spouses and all those things. And so I get that. I also know that the most valuable thing aside from the Lord and my family has been these deep friendships I have. Yes. And that group you mentioned uh, that we meet for lunch on Wednesdays and, and a lot of other friendships and in those places that have been the hardest, those places of foster care and other things, kids making bad decisions and learning differences and all the things we've walked. I'm just so grateful to have a community around me that's pointing me back to the Lord. And, and so it's worth fighting for. It's worth committing to and making time for. And, and when you, you know, we talk about what are we looking for? I would say this. It's what we don't need to be obsessing over that I think really matters. I think what we do is we end up, you know, looking at the 30 people that maybe aren't including us or maybe, um, you know, all went and did this other thing. We didn't get invited. Like instead of leaning into the people that are there for us and the Lord has put in our path, like let's lean into those. Um, I remember there's a study that um, I read and it talked about how we really can only have four or five deep friendships, like at most behaviorally, that's where it lands. And so let's lean into those four or five. And in the Bible, you know, that story about the the paralytic that was on the mat and he had those four guys that took him to Jesus and they couldn't get in the front door because there's so many people, right? So what they do, they just gave up. Well, no, they went up on the roof and cut a hole and lowered their buddy in front of Jesus because they knew that was the only way he would get healed. And I, I just would like to say, listen, guys, find your four or five or three or whatever that number is, but find those four. They're going to believe in your marriage when you don't and chase after your dreams when you've given up and believe in your kids when they're making ridiculous decisions. Like you don't need the kid, you don't need the friends that, you know, get to the crowded door and give up. You don't need the friends that um, don't even see your problem because they're so caught up in their own. You need those people. They're like the four that that guy had, that paralytic have that will do anything to bring you to the feet of Jesus. 
And so I say, pray for that. You pray for that in your own life. The Lord is good. He'll honor that. Pray for that in the lives of your kids, that they will have their entire life, four, five, three, whatever that is, solid friends. It will bring him before Jesus. That would be, that's my hope. We need community and it's so important. And I think it gets overlooked or for me, I just assume it's always going to be there and it just takes work. Yeah. Yeah. It sure does. You know, I, I remember um, out of college, I was working in corporate America and then I took 10 years off to stay home with my kids. And I remember feeling like, oh my goodness. I have no friends no. now that I'm not in yeah. my working environment. I remember praying like, God, would you bring me um, some godly women? And I think for me, one of the um, just incredible gifts is the gift of prayer and praying for each other when we've gone through so many different things that we can look back on. And I remember my one of my friends kind of jo joked, you know, my this is my son he's like been our poster child of prayer and now to like see him like you know 20 years later and just how God has made developed him into an incredible man I mean you you can see over time um the beauty of all of those intercessory prayers well and isn't it interesting Ellen as you're saying that I'm thinking out one of my kiddos too but I don't know if you feel this way. I, I bet you do. But the very things that you prayed over all those years, and I prayed over one of my kids in particular, are the very things I would have asked the Lord to strip away from him. The hard places, the hard things he had faced for one of my kids' is learning differences. And I would have done anything for the Lord to take that away. I didn't want him to be separate, separated or, or set apart as different or whatever. And all these years later, now I can look at him and be like, oh, those were the very things the Lord was developing in him and creating him to be who he is today. I mean, he's still in high school. We're not already, you know, out and flown by any means, but I can now see that the things I would have stripped away are the very things the Lord is going to use to make him who he's created him to be and what he's going to use for him as an adult. And so he's a hard worker. Everyone says that every coach says that every teacher says it. Well, it's all he's ever known because he's had to work hard in school because it wasn't easy for him. And just, I look at the, the empathy and the compassion and the kindness, the things that the Lord has built into him through the mm. struggle. And so, uh, I, I just, yeah, I, I say for everyone listening, if you're raising kids or walking some hard places that, yeah, it's so easy to want something different for your kids to ask the Lord to take it away. But like you were kind of saying, you get on the other side of it and you can say, oh yeah, now mm. I see. Didn't make it easier at times, but now I can see what the Lord is developing and I'm just so grateful his plan is better than mine. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> That's why I know it's like you pray all these prayers, things that you know you think are the best, but then at the end, but not my will. Lord, let your will be done, right? right? Like, okay, like <laughs> I, I can I can understand that what he has Completely. made be better. <laughs> But that's hard. Yes. That's really hard. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's hard in the middle of it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in our culture of social media, um, you know, that's constantly sending us messages about uh, basically a lot of times feeding, feeding us lies. Um, tell us like, how you have struggled maybe in that area and um, how do you try to make sure that you're aligned with God's truth? 
Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's taken a lot of years, a long time for me to realize that like my measure of success has got to line up with God's measure of success. And that's hard to figure out. And for me, one of the ways very practically that I've had to hone in on that is I've got to start realizing there's certain lies that I believe, like there's certain lies in culture that, that have become kind of truths in my life. And so I won't belabor it, but there's three that I kind of speak on a lot that, that are the lies I've, I'm prone to believe that don't line up with God's truth. One of them is that we're defined by the success and failures of our kids. And, you know, I would have been a person that would have said, no, I'm not going to be that person. I mean, my kids are their own people. No, no, no. It didn't take me a couple of years before, you know, I was, I was looking to see what reading level they're on and then what college they're going to get into and what this and that. And, you know, how quickly that gets us into trouble. And the problem with that, I think we've got, we've got to, we've got to really pay attention to is that the world's definition of success and the world's definition of failure are so skewed. Mm -hmm. And so success in our world are things that are measurable right? They're academics. They're um, great. They're, they're not only academics, but like, you know, how fast can you run the track, athletics, all these other things that you can measure. But really, by God's standard, what is successful is unmeasurable. And the things we should most want in our kids are the things that they're not, they're not going to be postable. They're not going to be things that get them award, being nice in the cafeteria, taking themselves off of themselves off a text thread, doing these things that nobody's going to give an attaboy for, but they're the most God honoring thing they can do on a given day. Like, that is success. And, and so my, uh, you know, that's one of the lies I've had to, I've had to fight that I'm going to be defined by success and failure of my kids. Well, who gets to decide what's a success and a failure? But a second lie that I've kind of dealt with is a lot in my life is just that ordinary is not enough. That we've got to be doing these, whatever the world calls extraordinary things that have platform that everyone acknowledges that pats me on the back. Like those are the things that matter. And I think the Lord says, listen, like, look, biblically, where is he calling people? He's calling them out of the ordinary shepherds, right? People that were just doing very yes. normal jobs. Sweet. I mean, we just, you know, a couple months ago had Christmas and think about Mary. I mean, Jesus' mother. I mean, people that were in the very ordinary, not only in occupation, um, in education, mm -hmm. um, in geography. And the Lord's pulling out of the ordinary and doing something miraculous and extraordinary in those lives. And so I think we've got to fight that lie that ordinary is not enough because what the world calls ordinary, I really believe that the, the Lord calls reputable and dependable and faithful. And so that's the second lie is that I've, I've had to, uh, I've had to fight. And then the third one I think is just that everyone has to love and accept me. And it's funny because I know we just talked about friendships and the importance of community. And, and that is important, but I, I don't want us to get confused with the fact that Everyone has to be on our team. Everyone has to love and support what we're doing. There's no way that's going to happen in today's culture. I mean, our culture is so divided economically and racially and socially and politically. Like, it's just not going to happen if we're standing for the things that the Lord calls us to stand for. And so we try our very best to live in harmony. But then after that, we've got to realize that it's not always going to be the case that everyone's going to approve of what we're doing, is going to rubber stamp it. And so, we build that community around us. We chase after and pursue the Lord. And then we got to let some of the other things go. And so those are kind of the lies. Yeah. That I've fought that we're defined by the success and failures of our kids. That ordinary is not enough. And everyone has to love and accept me. And those may not be your lies as you're listening, but I just challenge all of us get curious, especially in this new year, get curious about the things like, what am I believing? Lord reveal that to me. What am I believing to be truth, which is actually not truth and not actually aligned with your word and what's best in my life. And then kind of fight back on that. And, and I wish I would have done that about 20 years ago, because it's been a long time. 
letting myself be, uh, you know, judged, uh, not even by, by others, but myself judging myself by what culture says is a success. And, and that's just not, that's not lining up with God's mm, word. I, I can completely relate. I, I know that, uh, two of my daughters went to, um, Moody Bible Institute and they received a phenomenal yeah. education there. And, but when I would tell people in the secular world, like, oh, where's your daughter or where are your kids going to college? And I would say that. And really, I got a lot of strange looks. I really did. Mm. Like, just not understanding, like, how could that possibly lead to anything of, you know, valuable in a job? Yeah. And so, yeah, it can definitely be challenging. Yeah. Mine's almost the opposite. My oldest just went to college and she went to a very, very, very public um, university that has uh, a lot of different beliefs. And uh, in in any event, I think people were kind of like, ooh, like, are you comfortable with that? I'm like, at some point, I don't know if it matters anymore. I'm comfortable with the, with the Lord's leading. And so we just, at the end of the day, that's all we can mm -hmm. do. Yeah. So, yeah. I hear what you're saying oh, there. Well, it is we need to be salt and light wherever, right? Whether right. it is that yeah. big public school or or within I mean I a church I would rather it be someone else's kid <laughs> no, I'm just kidding <laughs> no it's teasing it's been great but yeah there is that there is that we believe in salt and light until it's our kid and we're like oh gosh I don't know <laughs> yeah no I hear you uh, yeah. well one of the places that life can get kind of messy is in churches right I mean things happen and um, people get bruised and tell us about you know how you feel about, you know, reframing church hurt um, so that we can engage in the importance of engaging with the faith community. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. And, and when, when I talk about church hurt, I know there is serious hurt and abuse in church and that's not what I'm talking about here, but just in, in terms of our feelings getting hurt or feeling like there's hypocrisy, all of that. Yeah. There is, as a girl who grew up in church, my, I grew up in a church where my, my parents were very active. My mom's been on staff at church most of my life. And so I get it. I also understand that, um, we are prone to let people take the place of God and only God is God. And so when we start letting the people of the church, we start like giving them an emphasis or, or putting them on a pedestal where we think they are God that gets us in trouble. And so what I, my hope is in the places where there's church hurt that we can stop and realize we might be church hurt to someone else, hopefully inadvertently, but we need to have grace and mercy for the places where we're all getting it wrong. People do get it wrong. And I, I think I talk about this in, in the book a little bit about how, you know, if you're invited to the White House to meet the president and you could go in and, and hear all about what the country's going to be doing and all of, you know, the, the defense plans and all these things. And on your way there, you stopped at the guardhouse and, and you didn't like the music and you got offended. And so you never went in because you were offended by the music in the guardhouse. Like that makes no sense, right? And I think that's what happens at church sometimes. We, we are so easily offended, sometimes rightfully so, and sometimes not, but we're offended by something that's tangential to the whole bigger picture of what the church is. And, and, and whether that's music, I mean, uh, quite literally uh, back in the day, that was something that was divisive in churches, it still but is. music. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah. Or, or preaching or, or how someone handles a community group or whatever the things are, the politics, all those things like don't miss the bigger scope of this is God's plan for us to come together and pursue and follow him. And so some of us need, um, you know, maybe some counseling through that. Some of us maybe need to just get over some things. Some of us need to maybe find a different 
place to worship, but I believe in church. And as a girl who grew up in it and has have a lot of, of good and a lot of hard come out of church, I just know those are the, those are the people that have kept me on the right path. Those are the people that have loved me. They're the ones that show up time and time again. And so I just encourage you if it's been hard, if there's been hurt, I'm sorry for that. Um, if no one's told you, sorry, let me say, I'm so sorry because it, it's the hardest kind of hurt. I've felt it. I've felt it last several years, but the Lord's worth it. And pursuing him with his people is worth it. Yes. I, I completely concur. You know, we've, um, at our church over, been there for I don't know over two decades and um it has it's had its share of ups and downs and um getting yeah. different types of hurt but overall like if, when you see the bigger picture um and I know I I treasure um the people in our small group who who do life with you <laughs> week in mm-hmm. and week out and uh, I wouldn't trade that for the world Absolutely not. Absolutely. So yeah, um, if you're going to a church and you're not in a small group, hey, I'd encourage you to to check that out. All right. Well, as we start to kind of wrap things up here, Cynthia, um, I want to just kind of talk about your um, look at showing up as just raw and broken versions of ourselves. Tell us what you mean by that and how do we go about doing that? Yeah, yeah. I uh and I, I'll definitely speak that. Let me tell you something funny though. I have I have a friend who um was in charge of helping all the new families get oriented to our school. And so this friend, she planned a pool party a couple summers ago. And so it was all the new kids coming into the school with some existing families. Everybody's going to get to know each other. So they're at this pool party and my friend's kind of in and out of the water because it's middle school kids. She wants to make sure everybody's kind of gelling and talking. And then she's over talking to the parents and near the end of the pool party, one of her friends says, Hey, why is your bathing suit bottom seem a little bit see-through? And she just laughed and she was like, Oh, I don't know. It's, you know, old Navy product. It's a couple years old. It's to be expected. And she just laughed it off. She's the funniest girl ever. And that was that until she ended the party and went to change, told her boys, wait outside. I'm going to run change back into my clothes and we'll head out. And she went to change and she realized that several hours before the party, when she'd put on her tankini, she had only put on her tankini top and the bottom. She had been walking around in her nude colored granny panties the entire Oh, no. And I tell you the story, you guys, because I think this is literally like such a metaphor of life. Like none of us are meaning to walk around in our granny panties, but we are showing parts of us we never meant to expose, parts of us that we never knew maybe we even had. And we're walking around and whether we know it or not, we're showing off stuff. And so I would just say like, embrace it a little bit, like be willing to laugh. Okay. Just be able to say like, this is the true and authentic vulnerable version of myself. And yeah, sometimes I'm going to get it right. Sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. And I'm going to fight battles. I don't need to fight. I mean, on a personal level, I have had more hills to die on than anyone deserves to deal with that do not matter. And so I think I would just, that's my encouragement. Like, can we just laugh a little bit about it and say, yeah, that's my bad. I'm taking things too seriously. Or that's just a hard spot with me. Like, let's work through this together. I think those are just places where we can lean in and laugh a little bit and be vulnerable and authentic with people. And you know, the great thing about that, Ellen, is when we're able to do that, 
that naturally builds community, which is the thing that we need the most that builds those friendships. It gives us opportunities to speak into other people's lives. Uh, that's one of the things I love about humor and why I love to laugh. And, and I hope that my book causes everyone to laugh is because I think if you can get people laughing at yourself, if you're willing to lay out some of those things, walk around in your undies, perhaps, uh, metaphorically, of course, if you're willing to do those things, it opens the door to have opportunities to speak deeper truths and deeper wisdom. And the Lord can use that. And so that's my encouragement. Yeah. Like just, just lean into it. Let's laugh a little bit about it. There's parts of us. We never, we never saw it coming. How We were going to act as we got older and had kids and marriage and all those things. And, and so, yeah, that's where, that's where I fall on it. I hope that everyone gets a good laugh. And, and also within that laugh that we can build deep, deep bonds of friendship. Uh, absolutely. You need to pick up Cynthia's book, Life is Messy, God is Good. But before we go, Cynthia, I want to ask you yeah. about some of our favorite questions we like to ask our guests. Just a couple here. Um, what Bible is your go-to Bible and which translation is it? I use the NIV. Hold on. I'm turning around, everyone. Hold on. Are we ready? I have the Life Application Study oh. Bible, NIV. Now, I really enjoy ESV too. And I, I guess such a great privilege in this country. I have lots of Bibles, but this is, I'm showing you, this is my, I, when I speak, beaten up, battered, underlined, everything else, Bible. In fact, I was just reading the Christmas story to my kids. Ellen, I if you see, see this, the whole page is ripped out. Like, I'm like, when did the page, when did, when did Luke 2 get torn out of my Bible? That's terrible. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, the Life Application Study Bible, NIV, is the one I, I turn to the most. Excellent. Okay. Do you have any, like, favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? Okay. Well, I'm a horrible journaler, everyone. I need you to know this. And I want to be a great journaler. My husband is really great at it. And everyone that I read and follow and love journals. I do not like to journal, and I don't know why. And so... I did get this for Christmas a year ago, the five-year journal. Have you ever oh, seen one yes. of these? I have not. And it's literally just every, it's, it's, it goes five years and it's like five lines for every day. And for me, this has been something that I can manage. I just write a couple of sentences in there. But the cool thing about it is, so if you look at January 2nd, then it has on that one page, January 2nd, all the years, five years. So you can see what you were writing in 2024, 2025, 2026 on that day. So the five-year journal, I would say, has been kind of a good thing for me as one who is not a great journaler because it's a quick thought, biblical thought, whatever's going on. Sometimes it's just a life thought, but mm -hmm. that's been that's been a good resource yes, for me. Absolutely. Um, our family uh, has that book and to even just keeping prayers and looking back and see yeah. what was I praying for a year ago um, this time and see how God's absolutely. been at work for sure. That's an awesome. I'm so glad you brought that up. We will include a link to that in the show notes. Lastly, what is your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? I enjoy the enduring word commentary. Sometimes I just jump on it because it's fast, but I am big into dwell. I make no money from dwell everyone, <laughs> but I do love dwell because I love hearing God's word read to me, like in the car and you know, you can pick what music you want under it, hymns, contemporary, whatever the person reading it, the accent, all the things you can kind of tailor it. And I don't do this all the time by no means, but Sometimes after I drop my little one off at school or I'm driving across town, just hearing God's word read to me, I love. So that's been an app that 
the last couple of years has kind of been a resource to me and worth checking it sure out. For sure is. Yes. I love the Dwell app too. In fact, I really love their daily devotional. I don't know if you've clicked on that before, but no. they do. They have great just devotionals that kind of get your day off to a really great start. So I will check that All out. Right. Cynthia, well, congratulations on your new book. Oh. Thank you so much for joining us today and just helping us embrace the messy places in life and finding joy in the challenges. And I just pray that whoever was listening uh, feels the same way and, and can have a good chuckle. <laughs> oh, Ellen, thank you for that. And thank you so much for having me and chatting about the book and just praying for everyone listening, just that, yeah, they can embrace the mess and, and have a laugh along the way. So thanks so much. Okay. You are welcome for our listeners. Be sure and get a copy of Cynthia's book. Life is messy. God is good. We will have the link in our show notes. We love you all. Appreciate you listening. Would love it if you guys would leave a review. Have a blessed day.